know, Paul said, talked about the height, the depth, the length, the width of the love of Christ passes understanding. And then he talked about the peace that passeth all understanding. Those are the things that we can have through the love of Jesus Christ. Uh, His love is fathomless. It's beyond human comprehension. It's really kind of illogical. You know, that man would, that a person would love his enemies uh, like as he did. All right, well, anyway, uh, Proverbs chapter 3, once again. Proverbs chapter 3. <clears throat> I'm going to finish what I started on Thursday night, because Thursday night we're going to do something different. Proverbs chapter 3. And I'm going to read the first 12 verses again. My son, forget not my law, but let thine heart keep my commandments. For length of days and long life and peace shall they add to thee. Let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Bind them about thy neck, write them upon the table of thine heart. So shalt thou find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not unto thine own understanding. On all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord, and depart from evil. It shall be health to thy navel, and marrow to thy bones. Honor the Lord with thy substance, with the firstfruits of all thy increase. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty, and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, neither be weary of his correction. For whom the Lord loveth, he correcteth, even as the father, the son, in whom he delighted. The title of this is How to Stay Right with God. And of course, we looked at several things on Thursday evening. Uh, of course, we have to stay in the book. Uh, it is an inspired book. This, the Bible is like no other book. It's different from any book in the world. Uh, it is inspired by God. It's God-breathed. It is God's words to us. Uh, it is instructional. Uh, it is an instructional book. It gives us instruction in living uh, so that we can be uh, uh, confident in the Lord. We can be commended by God, approved unto God. A workman needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Uh, we can be corrected by the, the word of God and correct and rightly applying the word of God to our lives. And so it is an invaluable book. Uh, and as I mentioned, you know, it's, it's a book that we can read over and over and over again. And because it's a living book, you get more and more out of it. You'll see new truths every time you read it. Like I was saying, you know, I, I, I listened to it on, on cassette tape there at one point in my life. And I, as I listened to it, you know, I've read it several times. And I, and I think, I don't remember hearing or reading that before. Or, you know, and, and so uh, always, the, the, you never exhaust the Bible. And uh, I heard an older preacher one time, he said when he started started the ministry, and he, he looked at his Bible and he thought, hmm, I wonder how long it will take me to get through that. And he said, it's been 40 years, and I've still not exhausted it. And uh, so we will never exhaust the scriptures. They are rich uh, with truth. And, um, and we need to be uh, continually studying that we learn and grow in the grace and knowledge of Him. So let's go to prayer and then we'll... We'll continue. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the opportunity we have to open your precious word tonight. We thank you for the instruction. We thank you for the promise of the preservation of your word. And we thank you, Father, that we can study to show ourselves approved unto God. A workman needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And Father, we pray that we would be like a workman that's ever learning, that's continuing to learn and grow in the grace and knowledge of thee, and learning new truth and how to live to please you and witness and be a testimony for you. And I pray that you'd help us to grow in the grace and knowledge of thee and be better servants of thine day by day. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Of course, you know, so the Bible is is vital to a successful Christian life. It's just like if you want to live health, uh, have a healthy life, if you want to have strength for living, you have to eat. And you have to eat the right things. It isn't just it isn't just 
you have to eat, you have to eat some things with nutrients in it. Um, you know, you don't want to get, you know, if, if you're going to listen to the things of the world, you, you know, you're probably going to hear some truth from the world. It would be like going to the garbage can where people throw away their food scraps and trying to get a fit meal. I mean, you're going to get a few things out of there maybe that would have some nutrition in it, but most of it is just going to be stuff that's of no value to your body. And so we need to come to the Word of God because it is vital to the Christian life. It is food for the soul. Jesus said he was the bread of life, and, and, and he was the water of life. And, and we need to spend that time in the Word of God. Second Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 11 says this, According as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. So, you know, God has given us these great and precious promises, exceeding great and precious promises, and we promises that you know we learn more and more about his promises every day. Uh, and, and these promises help us to overcome the corruption of the world. They encourage us. They give us hope in a corrupt world. You know, without the promises of God, we'd have no hope. We have no expectation. But because of the promises of God and the assurances thereof, you know, even the promises, like he says in uh, uh, verse 8 of Proverbs 3, you know, verse 7 says, Be not in wine in those eyes. Fear the Lord, depart from evil. It shall be health to thy navel and marrow to thy bones. If you want to live a, if you want to live a better life, live for God. Obey the principles of the word of God. The wages of sin is death. Sin destroys the body. Now, I remember we were, Pastor Weber and I were coming back from, uh, I think the last time we went to Missouri to that preacher's conference. And, um, and we, we didn't get you know, airline tickets. We weren't sitting close. Uh, but anyway, and uh, he was telling me about the guy, one of the guys he, uh, that was on the airline. I think he worked at a ski lodge or something. He was a young fella. And, uh, and, he, and he began to talk to him, trying to witness to him. And, and he said that uh, you know, he, he just thought that you know, he could kind of live his life and there would be no consequences. And, and he, he said, yeah, I asked him this question. He said, don't you think there are habits in your life that are destructive to your life? They said the guy just paused. And he had to admit there was some sinful habits and it was causing destructive things in his life. And, and you know, that's the Bible's talking about. You know, the, the promises of God are they're exceeding precious promises and the, by these we escape the corruption that is in the world through lusts. You know, if, if David wouldn't have, have uh, gave in to his lust, if Abnon wouldn't have given in his lust, he'd have escaped the corruption that it brought in his life and upon others. Verse 5 of Second Peter 1 says, And besides this, giving all diligence, add. You know what this requires? It requires some energy expended on our part. He says, you add. You add to what the promises God given you. You add to your faith, virtue, to virtue, knowledge, knowledge, temperance, temperance, patience, patience, godliness, to godliness, brotherly kindness, to brotherly kindness, charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that you should neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Wherefore, the rather brethren give diligence to give diligence, and again there's expend some energy, give some 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 uh, attention to to make your calling and election sure. If you, if you do these things, ye shall never fall. For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. You see, God wants us to add to our faith. He wants us to grow in our faith. And to do that, we have to add. We're not to be idle. We're to be active. Pursuing. And we pursue the, all these things through the knowledge of Him that hath called us to glory and virtue. 
You know, God, the Lord Jesus Christ gave us an example of a virtuous life. You read the book of Proverbs. The book of Proverbs will define for you a virtuous life. Study the book of Proverbs. Somebody has said that probably the book of Proverbs is the character of the Lord Jesus Christ. Defines his character. You know, he, 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 you know, think about it. Uh, a wise man will hear and will increase learning. Verse 10, uh, chapter 1, verse 10. My son, if sinners entice thee, consent thou not. And of course, Jesus never gave in to temptation. So, so this again requires from us some energy expended. We're to add to our faith. It's, it's, it's like, okay, if, if we're going to be strong and healthy, you know, it's one thing to have food set in front of us, but we have to partake of it. You know, having food requires some expended energy to have food to eat. Somebody has to prepare it. You know, unless you, you know, it could be you yourself or your wife or somebody. Somebody's got to prepare it. So there's some energy expended there. Somebody's got to go purchase it to the grocery store or grow it in a garden. That requires energy expended. So, the, so there's lots of work goes into fixing a meal so that you can have energy to continue to live. And then you got to partake of that. And so... Uh, you know, and the same is true in our, in our Christian walk with the Lord. We can't be strong and healthy as a Christian without eating or partaking of the Word of God. So we need to expend this energy in the Lord. We need to learn. You know, things that we learn. We need to learn to trust the Lord. Verse 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not on thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge Him. And he shall bring it to pass. He shall direct thy pass. You know, to trust means to believe, to place your confidence in, to commit to, to commit your care, the care of to, to give credit to, to rely upon. It's like a bank. You know, if a bank, a bank is going to trust you, they're going to give you a loan. Got a loan of trust. But they don't. If they don't trust you, if you have bad credit or you have no experience of borrowing whatsoever, and you have no bad credit, it, you know, bank isn't as likely to give you a loan. But if you have a, a track record of proving that you pay your bills on time, then they may give you that Why? Because they trust you. Or they're going to have enough collateral on what you're borrowing for that they'll just take what you got in place of you paying it, you know. Uh, but that's what it is, to rely upon. You know, and this trust in the Lord requires a decision. We have to decide we're going to trust God. We're going to depend on Him. There's a decision here that's required. Trust in the Lord. We need to trust in Him. We need to believe in God. Hebrews 11.6 6, 6 says, But without faith it is impossible to please Him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is the rewarder of them that diligently seek him. See, we have to believe that God is the rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Daniel, the Bible says, Daniel, he made a decision, he purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself. And so there, there needs to be this decision is required here that we trust. We put our dependence, our trust in the Lord. You know, Isaiah 26, 3 and 4 says, Thou wilt keep in perfect peace, whose mind is stated on thee, because he trusteth in thee. Trust thee in the Lord Jehovah, for in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. So there's a decision required that we need to trust in the Lord. We, we have to believe God. We have to renounce self. You know, we're not to trust in self. Verse, the last half of verse 5 says, And lean not unto thine own understanding. Just like I said this morning, we have confidence in the Lord, but don't have confidence in your flesh. When you get confidence in your flesh, you're going to fall. You're headed for a fall. You know, Paul said, 
you know, I, I, I think of Paul and the, the things that he did and the things that he accomplished. It seemed like he was fearless, that he had great confidence. But he said, have no confidence in the flesh. In other words, he wasn't trusting in Paul. He was trusting in the Lord. That's where his trust was. He also said in Romans chapter 13, verse 14, that we're to make no provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. That means we must be proactive in not providing opportunities for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. You know, we have to be aware that our flesh is weak. And if we give it an opportunity to, to satisfy itself with its lust, it's going to do it. We will do it. You know what that requires? A clear understanding of who you are. Who I am. I'm just a sinner saved by the grace of God. I'm capable of any sin anyone else is. Just give me the right thought processes and the right circumstances. You ever... You ever you ever know somebody that, that did something and you and you you maybe said this at the time, I would have never expected it of them. See, Satan hung the carrot in the right place at the right time. It's like that man in Proverbs chapter six, or it's a Proverbs chapter seven, that goes by the Harlot's house. He looks out the casement of his window and he sees this man walking down the street in the dark of night. What's that an opportunity? Opportunity for a fall. In a place where he has opportunity to fill the lusts of the flesh. See, we must we must renounce self, not trust in self. And this is again the decision that's required of us. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not under thine own understanding. Secondly, there's a devotion demanded here. Verse 6. In all thy ways acknowledge Him. In all thy ways acknowledge Him. You know, we, need to, we need to, in everything, all of our ways, acknowledge Him. In other words, we need to be aware that, that God, uh, of the presence of God in our life, and allowing God to direct our life in all our ways. If God's not in it, if it's not something that should that would please God, that that's that's in, in in obedience with the scriptures, then we shouldn't be doing it. We're setting ourselves up for a fall. There's a devotion demanded here. We need to be seeking God, desiring His the knowledge of Him, submitting our our ourselves, our will to Him in everything. Even when we don't have it all figured out. Because many times, the understanding comes after the fact. Just like, you know, children, little children, Callan and Lydia have no clue what hot is. Now, you could tell them all day long, that's hot, don't touch it. They don't really have any clue what you're talking about. Now, Mia maybe has it figured out. She's made this connected the fact that there's a relationship between something that hurts and it's hot. You know. You see, with age comes understanding. With experience also comes understanding. And, you know, there are some things that maybe we don't understand in the Bible. But we need to obey it anyway, whether we understand it or not. If the Word of God says it and we believe it's right, we need to obey it anyway. You know, Gideon didn't understand how God was going to give him the victory with 300 men. But he acted on what God told him to do anyway. I'm sure Joshua didn't understand how the walls were going to come falling down flat just by marching around and shouting and blowing with the trumpets and all that thing with all of that wall was going to be flattened and they'd have the victory. He didn't understand how that worked or what 
what God was going to do to cause all that, but he just obeyed. He just obeyed. I'm sure Moses didn't understand how the God was going to divide the Red Sea. You know, the Bible says it was congealed. You know, it was stiffened like ice. That's what congealed means. Sort of like curdled milk. It gets kind of hard. So there's these two walls, and they're passing through the midst. Now, Moses didn't really understand. God didn't stand and explain. Now, Moses, I'll tell you what you want to do here. You take the children of Israel, and you encamp by the sea. The mountain's on this side, the mountain's on this side. The Egyptians are back here, and the sea's right here. And I'm just going to tell you how it's going to happen. I'm going to make the waters divide, and they're going to stiffen walls. He didn't tell them all that. He just said, you can't buy the sea. And be still and see the salvation of the Lord. Now that's trust. That's devotion. He did. He led the children of Israel where God said. See, God, God demands of us and expects of us devotion. This means we've got to submit ourselves to him in everything. Even when we don't have it all figured out. There's a direction that follows. Notice verse 6 again. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. He shall direct thy paths. So God gives direction leading when we submit to him. Moses submitted and led the children of Israel to a place where they thought they were trapped, but where God said to lead them. Trusting that God would lead him further when he got there. That's how it works. You know, I've had people ask me questions about you know, what would you do in such and such sorts of situation? And I said, I really don't know. I'm not there yet. No. You see, we just need to devote it to the Lord, be submitted to Him, and let Him lead us and direct us as situations come up. The important thing is, we need to believe Him. We need to decide we're going to trust Him no matter what. See, Daniel purposes on it. Daniel decided he was going to trust Him. He was going to devote it to God no matter what happened. And God directed him each step of the way. As circumstances came, trials and tests came his way, God gave him direction in each situation. When the food was brought out that was unclean, God directed Daniel to ask for an alternative. And it was granted. It was granted. He asked to be tried ten days. And that was granted. And God gave them favor in the sight of the king's uh, master of the eunuchs. And so, so God directs. You know, Psalm 37, verses 4 and 5 is another, you know, Bill Winstead used to call this vitamin 37. Psalm 37, verses 4 and 5 says, Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires on the heart. Commit thy way, here's our devotion, commit thy way unto the Lord, trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. He shall bring forth thy righteousness as the light, and thy judgment as the noonday. And so, there needs to be this trust. Verse 23 says, The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. God delights in the steps of a good man, one that's directed by him. 1 Thessalonians 5.24 is, Faithful is he that calleth you, who also will do it. You know, we see this illustrated time and time and time again in the Bible. Look, if you will, for a minute in Acts chapter 27. Acts chapter 27. We'll look at several of these examples in, in real life. Acts chapter 27 and verse 25. You know, Paul's on his way to Rome. 
and there's a storm, and they don't think the the mariners, the, the, the shipmasters, they don't think they're going to survive this storm. They've cast out everything in the ship. In verse 25, Paul says, Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer, for I believe God. That's the decision. I believe God. You know, Paul had already decided that. He, he believed in God. That it shall be even as it was told me. There's his devotion. He was devoted to what the word of God was to him. That it will be as he said. And then he says, How be it, we must be cast upon a certain island. There's your direction. Paul had already decided, I'm going to believe God. And... And he said, and it will be as it was told me. God will keep his word. You can count on it. Paul was certain of that. You know, I'm sure all those in the ship were thinking, yeah, right, Paul. We've heard of your kind before. Paul said, it will be as it was told me. Because God told it to me. I'll be it. Here's the direction. We're going to be cast upon a certain line. Look at Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. <clears throat> and verse 24. Hebrews 11 verse 24. By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused. There's his choice. There's his decision. He refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Here's the devotion. Choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ, greater riches and treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. You see, he believed God, and he was so devoted to God, he would rather suffer affliction with God's people than to enjoy the riches and pleasures of Egypt. Because he feared God, we'll get to this a little bit later, see, he feared God, he had recompense of the reward. He knew who the rewarder was. He knew who the rewarder was. See, the devil doesn't reward you. He'll make it appear like a reward. But the devil is a liar and a murderer. And he will lead you on thinking you're doing just great and you're going to get away with this. But somewhere along the way, he's going to leave you hanging by your neck like he did Judas. That's where he's leading you. No, the rewarder is the Lord. And Moses understood who the rewarder was. And so he was devoted to him. And then verse 28 says, we see the direction, through faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he that destroyed the firstborn should touch them. By faith they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land, which the Egyptians are saying to do were drowned. You see, the Egyptians took the bait of the devil. They sought his reward, and they ended up destroyed. That's what Satan does to you. But Moses was devoted and would choose the afflictions of God's people to be rewarded by God in the end. Let's look at one others. Numbers chapter 13. Numbers chapter 13. Again, you could, you, could, you could just about choose any Bible character and, and apply these principles. Numbers chapter 13, verse 30. Of course, this is where the, the, the spies come back from spying the land of Canaan, and ten gave this evil report. And verse 30 says, And Caleb stilled the people before Moses has said, Let us go up at once and possess it, for we be, are well able to overcome it. There's his decision. Caleb's made a decision. I believe God. God said, Go in and possess the land. He's given it to us. Let's go ahead and break it. 
chapter 14, verse 6. And Joshua the son of Nun, and Caleb the son of Jephunneh, were of them that searched the land, rent their clothes. And they spake unto all the company of the children of Israel, saying, The land which we pass through to search it is an exceeding good land. If the Lord delight in us, then he will bring us, us into this land, and give it us a land that floweth with milk and honey. Only rebel not ye against the Lord, neither fear ye the people of the land, for they are bred for us, their defenses depart from them, and the Lord is with us. Fear them not. There's their devotion. I mean, all the whole the whole company is against them, and here's these two guys standing by themselves and saying, Look, we don't need to be afraid of these people. If the Lord delights in us, he will give us this land. These people, their defenses departed. By the way, when they actually did go in, and they go into Rahab's house, what they find out? They find out that everybody in the land was living in fear of the children of Israel. They were all scared to death because they heard what happened to the Egyptians. See, Joshua and Caleb said, look, their defenses departed. Hey, when you have somebody in fear, that's time to conquer. See, they just needed to obey God and not and devoted to the Lord, and not give in to their human reasoning. See, they looked at the circumstances and said, oh, there's walled cities, giants in there, chariots of iron. And, and these people have actually swords and spears. You know, children of Israel, they were farmers. They had pitchforks and hoes, and you know, that's, that's their military weapons. They didn't have swords and spears. All the way up to the days of Saul, they didn't have swords and spears. See, these, there's their devotion. And in verses, uh, about four, or chapter 14, verse 24, he says, But my syrup Caleb, because he had another spirit with him, and hath followed me fully, him will I bring into the land whereinto he went, and his seed shall possess it. Verse 30, Doubtless ye shall not come into the land concerning which I swear to make you dwell therein. Save Caleb the son of Jephunneh and Joshua the son of Nun. There's their direction. God said, I'm going to take Caleb in and Joshua. The rest of you will not go. But I will take them in. See, when we decide to trust the Lord and we are devoted to Him, we're serious about serving God. We cannot be deterred from trusting in Him. He will direct our paths. When we... When we don't lean on our own understanding when we acknowledge Him in all of our ways. And so there's a decision, there's devotion, there's direction. So we need to learn to trust the Lord. We need to learn to fear God. Verses 7 and 8 of Proverbs 3 says this, Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. We need to learn to fear God. The word fear here means to reverence Him as an avenger of wrongs. We need to reverence him as an avenger of wrongs. In other words, we need to believe, like Moses did, that he is the rewarder of them. He is the recompense of reward. He is the rewarder. We need to believe God will reward us. He will make things right. He is the rewarder of them that diligently seek him. You know, there's a lot of things happen in this world that are not right. There's a lot of things that are going to happen to you in your Christian life that are not right. That people are going to do to you that are not right. But you know what you need to do? You need to fear God. You need to leave it to God and trust that God will take care of it. In His time. That's what Jesus did. He committed Himself to Him that judgeth righteously. Proverbs chapter 1 verse 7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Proverbs 9 verse 10, Fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. 
Proverbs 1 5 says, A wise man will hear and will increase learning. See, a wise man, one that fears God, doesn't think he already knows what the answers are. He's always, always humble enough to receive new truth, to examine his own ways before the Lord. He's listening to the voice of God. He listens to the voice of God. He fears God. He's, he fears God more, he's more afraid of God and more concerned about what God thinks than what his friends think. Let's look at a couple of verses here. Psalm 89. Psalm 89. And, and again, we've seen an example of this, that God is the avenger. See, you need to fear God. God is the avenger of wrongs. Psalm 89, verse uh, 6 and 7 says, For who in the heaven can be compared unto the Lord? Who among the sons of the mighty can be like unto the Lord? God is greatly to be feared in the assembly of the saints. So he's to be reverenced as the avenger of wrongs. To be out in reverence of all them that are about him. Drop down to verse 10. Thou, that is God, hast broken Rahab. The word Rahab here is a description of Egypt. Thou hast broken Rahab in pieces as one that is slain. Thou hast scattered thine enemies with thy strong arm. What did Egypt do to Israel? They kept them in bondage for 400 years. What did God tell, or Moses tell, the, the, the children of Israel to do? He said, borrow the Egyptians. And the Bible says that they spoiled the Egyptians. They took gold and silver and vessels and, and all kinds of things the Egyptians gave to them. You know what that was? God was avenging them of their wrongs for 400 years. Now, wouldn't it seem... Okay, let's, let's, let's put yourself in the children of Israel's place. They were slaves to the Egyptians. Don't you think it's kind of forward of a slave to ask of the Egyptians of their provisions, their gold, their silver? And I mean, their looking glasses. Of, you know, where did they get it? Where do where these Jewish women get these looking glasses, these mirrors that they used? And you know, a lot of that stuff they used to build the tabernacle in the wilderness. You know what God was doing? He was avenging them of their wrongs for 400 years. He broke Rahab. Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10 in verse 30 and 31 says this, For we know him that hath said, Vengeance belongeth unto me. I will recompense, saith the Lord. And again, the Lord shall judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. So don't take vengeance in your own hands. You know, Romans 12 says, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. And so we need to fear the Lord. Chapter 12, in verse 25, says, See that ye refuse not him that speaketh, for if they escape not, he refused him that spake on earth. Much more shall we not, not we escape, if we turn away from him that speaketh from heaven, whose voice then shook the earth. But now he hath promised, saying, Yet once more I shake not the earth only, but also the heaven. And this word, yet once more, signifieth removing of the things that were shaken, as of things that are made, that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. Wherefore, we receive a kingdom which cannot be moved. Let us have grace, whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear, for our God is a consuming fire. You know, when the children of Israel were camped at Mount Sinai, and the mountain was on fire, and they said, they said, all the Lord saith, we will do. Only don't 
come down and appear like that to us again. You know, if, if you're willing to live obedient to the Lord, why are you afraid of Him? That revealed a problem with the children of Israel right there. And God shook the mountain. And He judged His people for their disobedience. But he said, we're to serve him with reverence and godly fear. For our God is a consuming fire. He is the one that will avenge the wrongs. Revelation chapter 6 through 19 is God taking vengeance on them who have persecuted his children for centuries. You, you read Revelation carefully. You know, some of the things I see going on in the world today and the, 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 the lost say, and it reminds me of the things that are happening in the book of Revelation that are going to happen. Oh, you want to change times and seasons? Yeah. Well, you're going to get your day. You think you can thumb your nose at God? Yeah, it's going to come. You know, you, in one instance, he said, you, shed, you wanted to shed the blood of the saints, and so I'm going to give you blood to drink. See, God is to be feared. We need to fear Him. We don't, we're not to fear man. We're to fear Him who can destroy the soul in hell. Let's fear God. Your Solomon said, fear God and keep His commandments. So this is the whole duty of man. Your pro, Psalm 19.9 says, the fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. You know, if we ought to fear God and we ought to forsake sin. You know, Job feared God. Therefore, Job made a covenant with his eyes. Made a covenant with his eyes. Why? Because he feared God. So learn to fear God. Fourthly, learn to honor God with your substance with your life. Verse 9, Honor the Lord with thy substance with the first fruits of all thine increase. So shall thy barn be filled with plenty, and thy precious shall burst out with new wine. The word honor means to obey with a happy or willing attitude, a, a, a good spirit. It should be a desire of us to honor the Lord. To honor Him in our life. That means, again, we give place to Him. We happily give of what is ours. We give of our time, our talents, our finances. You know, not just what's required or what's expected, but we ask, you know, we, we have the attitude that we'll do whatever the Lord asks. And more. Because we love to please and honor our Lord. Because He is worthy. You know, the children of Israel... It got to the place where the worship of God was a burden. Look at Malachi chapter 1. Malachi chapter 1. And this is, this is the, the opposite of honoring the Lord. In Malachi chapter 1, verse 6, says, A son honoreth his father, and a servant his master. If then I be a father, where is mine honor? And if I be a master, where is my fear? Saith the Lord of hosts unto you, O priests. So here's the priests that are ahead of this, sort of like the dumb dogs that we described this morning. O priests that despise my name. In other words, you lightly esteem. You don't think my name's important. You offer polluted, and, 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 and they ask the question, wherein, they say, wherein have we despised thy name? You offer polluted bread upon mine order, and you say, wherein have we polluted thee? In that you say, the table of the Lord is contemptible. In other words, it's a burden. It's a burden to us. And if you offer the blind for sacrifice, is it not evil? If you offer the lame and the sick, is it not evil? Offer it now unto the government. Will he be pleased with thee and accept thy person, saith the Lord of hosts? Hey, would you offer a blind sheep or, or a lame a lamb to the governor? 
And the obvious answer is no, you wouldn't do that. You wouldn't give that to a governor for, for an offering, uh, for a gift. You wouldn't give that to the governor, something that's blind or lame. But you're going to offer it to me. Your God, your Creator, the one who you say you honor. See, what happened is that serving God had become a burden. Oh, God, I read my Bible again. I got to go to church again. You know, we—it's easy. If we aren't careful, it's easy to become burdened with serving the Lord. You look out in the world, and you, and you know, all of us. I don't think there's any of us that say, "Well, I just like to be different than the world. I don't, I don't care if I'm, you know, nobody else like me. I just, I just like standing out like a, you know, like a, a, a cow and a field chickens." You know, all of us like to be accepted and praised by people. And if we aren't careful, we can become burdened with keeping the commandments of God in a wicked world. It's easy. So like Asaph, he became burdened. He looked at all the prosperity of the wicked. I mean, we, you know, if I read the news too long, it, it's discouraging. Too much. You become like Asa. But look at the prosperity of the wicked and the righteous. You know, we suffer and we, you know, it's difficult. But he said, but then I went into the sanctuary and I understood therein. Again, he understood who the rewarder was. He was reminded that God is the rewarder. God is the avenger of wrongs. And so we need to learn to honor God. Not be like the children of Israel. Learn to appreciate, and lastly, learn to appreciate His correction. Now, I don't know if there's anybody that likes correction. I never liked it. I still don't like it. But sometimes it's needed. My son, verse 11, despise not the chastening of the Lord, neither be weary of his correction. For whom the Lord loveth, he correcteth, even as a father the son in whom he delighted. If God is a father to you, if you are his son or his daughter, he is going to correct you because he loves you. He wants you, he wants the best He wants you to have a healthy, you know, you know, being not being fearing the Lord will give you a. It says health to thy navel and marrow to thy bones. You know those those things speak of the innermost parts of our body. You know the bone marrow is the life of the bones. And if you have problems with bone marrow, you're in serious problems. And the Bible says here that fearing the Lord, not being wise in your own eyes, it's, it's, it's like healthy marrow in your bones. So we need to learn to appreciate His corrections. Don't despise it. Don't thrust it away. Don't drive it. Don't cast it off. Don't, don't tread it down. Don't lightly esteem it. You know, David, David received a lot of correction because he needed it. It wasn't pleasant. In Psalm 119, verse 67, he says, Before I was afflicted, I went astray. But now have I kept thy word. So before he was afflicted, so what he's saying is there, I went astray and God afflicted me. In other words, he brought rod. He brought the board of education into my life. And he brought me back to his word. Verse 71. 
It is good for me that I have been afflicted, that I might learn thy statutes. You know, sometimes the only way we learn is through the school of hard knocks. Unfortunately. It wouldn't it be better if we learned just by the example of others and listening to others you know, instruct us? Oh, that'd be great if, that, if that's the way we always learn. But it's, it's so often true, isn't it, that we have to go through the hardships. The, 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 the catastrophes before we actually learn. You know, sometimes we're just plain stubborn. And we resist the Spirit of the Lord working us, trying to bring about change. We're out to own our own our little world of self. We want it my way or the highway. But God's going to get it His way. If, you know, even Solomon learned this. You know, think about Solomon. He wrote this. But in Solomon's older age, he turned to, his heart was turned away from God because he loved strange wives. And the Bible tells us that God brought three adversaries into Solomon's life. Hadad, Jeroboam, and I can't remember the third one. But you can read about him in 1 Kings. And they, they caused trouble they afflicted Solomon all the days of his life. Why? Because Solomon's heart turned away from God. And God allowed these adversaries, these enemies, to crop up. Do you know who caused them to crop up? Solomon did. That was Solomon's choice. See, our choices sometimes bring us hardships, as again we learned in Sunday school this morning. You know, Paul's affliction was for his good, lest he be exalted above measure. So we need to learn to appreciate his correction. Be not weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap, if we faint not. Oh, we need to learn to trust the Lord. Fear Him, honor Him, and appreciate that He loves us and will correct us for our good and His glory.